And so, Lord God, I do pray, we do pray, that you would show us the way. In Jesus' name, we ask that you would help us to preach. Amen. Wasn't that cool? <laughs> well, today is the day that we're baptizing folks down in the river. And so this morning's sermon has to do with baptism. And I feel the need to tell a story. I've, I've told it before, but like all good stories, the more I tell it, the more I, I understand it. When my children were little, they had a dream. They dreamed of the, the magic kingdom. They dreamed of a whole new world, uh, Disney World. And several years ago, a friend offered us a week at Disney World, and all we had to do was, was get there. We couldn't afford to fly, but I figured that we could drive. We had a minivan. My children were three, six, eight, and nine at the time, and, and I came up with the idea of surprising them because I cherished that moment of revelation, you know? We're going to Disneyland! We're going to Disney World! We're going to the Magic Kingdom! And then their faces would just light up with joy, and they would begin to dance with unspeakable gratitude before me. I cherished the moment of revelation. And I knew that if we told them too early, they might just die from this mixture of joy and longing called, called hope. Well, as the summer approached, they began to press for information on vacation, and we didn't want to lie. And so I planned out the journey and realized that we'd be traveling through Junction City, Kansas, the place of my birth. And so when they were pressing one day, where are we going for vacation, Dad? Where are we going? I said, Kansas. And they said, wow. What's in Kansas? And I said, oh, there's stuff in Kansas. I mean, motels, swimming pools, there's great stuff. Stuff, we're gonna, we're gonna see stuff. And so my kids began putting their hope in Junction City, Kansas. I remember taking them to McDonald's one day and the promotional meals uh, uh, back then were for this, uh, you know, the Animal Kingdom thing, the Disney World Animal Kingdom. And I remember Elizabeth, she got her little plastic thing where she's looking at it at lunch and she was just like, oh, Dad, this is so cool. And I said, what is it, honey? And she said, oh, Dad, it's, this, it's like this place, this land. It's so, it's so amazing. I said, well, where is it? And she said, well, it's like Orlando or something. And then she stopped and she said, oh, Dad, it's a long ways away. We could never, ever go there. Oh, I just was about bursting inside. But I controlled myself. And I remember said, oh, honey, well, we're going to have a good vacation. Trust me. And so she began dreaming. My kids began dreaming of Junction City, Kansas. The day finally came, May 28, 1998. It was our 15th wedding anniversary. Early in the morning, we left the house, got on I-70, set out for Kansas. You know, if you subtract four hours of potty breaks, um, it's about six hours from Denver to Junction City, Kansas. Six, six hours uh, right to there. And then it's an hour more on to Kansas City uh, where we get some rest and get up in the morning and head on to the Magic Kingdom. Well, it was a long van ride for the kids. So when we exited I-70 for Junction City, they're pretty excited. I remember John was sitting in the back looking for motels with swimming pools. The kids were all talking about, we're going to see the place where Daddy was when he was a little boy. And then we drove past this old dilapidated old bowling alley and they all said, oh, Dad, we could go bowling! And I said, Maybe, maybe. 
soon we arrived at the church that my dad had pastored when I was a little boy. It was right next to this beautiful old manse, which means the place where the pastor lives, where I lived when I was a little kid. I'd called ahead, and now the pastor was waiting for us. His name was Pastor Dick Underhall Pierce. He showed us around uh, the old church. I remember the kids had cameras, disposable cameras that my parents had brought for them, uh, you know, the kind with film. And so they kept taking pictures, said, you know, you guys, you might want to save some of those pictures for later. And they kept saying, for what? For what? And said, well, stop. We're going to see more stuff. Just, just trust me. Then Pastor Honor Pierce, he, he took us over and, and he, he showed us the manse. After that, we all sat down on the steps facing the park where I used to play on the playground when I was a little boy. I was videotaping the whole thing. Susan had gone to the van and gotten the secret bag of of uh, Disney World accessories, hats and stuff like that. I began the prearranged dialogue with Pastor Underhall Pierce. I said, so, uh, Pastor Underhall Pierce, what's there to do here in Junction City? And he said, oh, well, we have a great lake. You can go down to the lake and walk around the lake. And I said, well, we got a lake in Colorado. He said, well, we got a bowling alley. You go to the bowling alley. And the kid's like, yeah, bowling, bowling, bowling. I said, and we got a miniature golf course. There's a miniature golf course. And I said, you know what? We got um, a lake and a bowling alley and a miniature golf course in Colorado. I mean, it seems like we've already seen the church. We've seen the, the man. It seems like there's nothing else really to do here. So we might as well just go. And the kids are like, dad, dad, what do you mean? Come on, come on, come on. And, and then I said, well, you know, I'm pastor, if we went back out to the exit, we got back on that I-70, and we just started going down that, that I-70, well, where would we go? And he said, well, you know, if you got back there and you went down, and then you, you turned right, headed south, why you'd end up in, in, in Florida. Do, do, do you all know of anything in Florida? I remember Elizabeth, she said, um, Disney World? And we said, hey! Let's go, let's go to Disney World. Do you, do you guys want to go to Disney World? And Elizabeth said, I'd rather stay here. <laughs> and Jonathan said, uh, I'll think about it. And Coleman and Becky, they just kept looking at the park. We pulled out the hats. I started dancing around going, we're going to Disney World. We're going to Disney World. We're going to Disney World. And I remember Elizabeth, she said, well, what about Junction City? I shut off the camera in frustration. And I said, get in the van. Just... <laughs> Just get in the van. Coleman said, shoot, I wanted to go to the park. And Becky said, I don't want to get in the van. It was the most anticlimactic moment of my entire life. I was embarrassed, Susan was embarrassed. We thought this pastor, you know, he must think that we are the most ungrateful, disrespectful, spoiled kids in the whole world. I remember I'd march them down in the van, I was getting them in the van, they're complaining, I'm just, just getting, getting, getting. I mean, I was embarrassed in front of this pastor, you know, but I, but I was planning on giving him a tongue lashing when I got around the other side and got in my door. You disrespectful, ungrateful, do you have any idea how much this cost me? And I remember as I was walking around the back of the van, I, I felt like a, a, a thought, it just like entered my head. I, th I think it came from God and it said something like this. Hey, Peter, this is what it's like <laughs> to be your dad. This is not that my children's hopes were too big. They actually had become far too small. Their desires were not too strong, but too weak. In the words of C.S. Lewis, we are children content to play with mud pies in the slum. When a holiday at sea has been offered to us, our desires are not too strong, but too weak. And don't get me wrong. 
Mud pies are fun for a time. Junction City would be fun for a time. But after, you know, three weeks of sitting in front of the Dairy Queen, languishing in 100 degree heat as the kids said, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, Junction City would turn into hell. But you see, Junction City was in their grasp. They controlled it. Magic Kingdom, well, that was just a painful van right away. It looked like death. Get in the van sounded like pick up a cross. Once upon a time, a 600-year-old man named Noah, he heard a voice, Noah, I want you to build a boat because I'm taking you from this old world to a new world. I'm destroying this world of corruption. And Noah said, even the bowling alley? Once upon a time, a tired, beat-up old shepherd was wandering in the mountains in the middle of nowhere, and he heard the same voice that came from a flaming bush. It said, Moses, I'm the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I have seen the affliction of my people, and I have come to deliver them from bondage to a land flowing with milk and honey, and I send you. And Moses said, uh, I'm afraid I'm not up for the drive. And the entire way, the children sat in the van and said, you know, we, we could be eating fish right now if we would have only stayed in, in Egypt. Once upon a time, the very same voice came from the lips of a man. He preached, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, follow me. And the children said, but, 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 but we really like it here in Junction City. His name was Jesus. And he says, I am the way. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. He's the way. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and preached to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to him. Jesus, you see, is like Noah's ark that carried Noah and seven others on a 40-day journey through judgment from the old world to the new world when God flooded the world with fire, or no water. But Peter does go on to say one day he will flood the world with fire. Baptism corresponds to this. 1 Corinthians 10.1, Paul writes, Our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and, and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And so Paul tells us that when Moses led the Israelites through the Red Sea, they were baptized. And you may remember it started a 40-year journey. Yet because they complained, that generation that, that left Egypt, including Moses, 
All of them, except Joshua and Caleb, died in the wilderness. Some were even, quote, taken alive down into Sheol, the underworld. Kind of like those antediluvians that Peter referred to as the spirits in prison who missed the ark. They didn't get in the van. Paul writes that those Israelites, those Israelites that he's talking about, well, they were baptized into Moses. Well, when their children of that first generation finally did enter the promised land, they followed Joshua, which is Hebrew for Jesus. Joshua and an ark. Law wrapped in mercy seat. Jesus and uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And, and when they came to the Jordan River, the Jordan River parted like the Red Sea. When Jesus is baptized in the New Testament, he's baptized in the Jordan. And he says it's to fulfill all righteousness. Matthew 3, 15, all righteousness. So if you want to fulfill righteousness, sorry, it's already been fulfilled. To fulfill all righteousness which would mean there's no righteousness left to fulfill, Matthew 3.16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then... Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. <clears throat> so what is baptism? Well, baptism is an experience. You know, God often has us experience things long before he explains those things. Notice that? Paul writes, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So when the flood hit, the earth was experiencing a baptism that would not be explained for thousands of years. What happened at the Red Sea in the desert wouldn't make much sense until Moses stood on the Mount of Transfiguration or Transformation 1,500 years later with Jesus, and Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished, as the, as the tombs covering the underworld were, were opened. And your baptism may not make much sense until you stand on the other side of the sea in a new world, having been carried through a flood of fire. Baptism is an experience that starts a journey from one world to another world. It's an experience that starts a journey, a journey through judgment, and it is judgment. Baptism means that you're dying to one world in order to enter and inherit a, another world. Dying to your own control and surrendering to another's control. Dying to your own judgments and surrendering to your father's judgment. See, getting in the van meant that my kids surrendered their judgment. They disagreed with me. But they surrendered their judgment to my judgment. They died to their own psyches. Jesus said, if you lose your psyche for my sake and the, the what? The kingdom, <laughs> you'll find it. Scripture says, repent and be baptized. Repentance is a Greek word, metanoia. It literally means to change your noia, 
to change your news, to change your mind. Metanoia produces metamorpho, metamorphosis, transfiguration, transformation. Paul writes, be metamorphosed, be transformed, transfigured by the renewal of your mind. So, so you must lose your psyche the way you think in order to find it. Baptism is the death of your old psyche, your old life, your old self. And, and that's good news because your old self is already dead. That's what scripture says. Dead in your trespasses and sins. So you see, baptism is the death of death, which is life. In the Revelation, it says that death and Hades will be thrown to the lake of fire and death will be no more. The lake of fire is called the second death, for it's the death of death. Revelation also says that he who conquers uh, can't be hurt by the second death, and John tells us it's our faith that conquers. And faith is the risen eternal life of Christ within us. It's the spirit of Christ within us crying, Abba, Father. Scripture says that Satan keeps us in lifelong bondage through fear of death. But you can't fear death if you know that you've already died. And you can't fear, you won't fear judgment if you know that you've already been judged. And maybe you won't fear the fire if you know that you're being constructed to be a vessel, a temple that's actually to be filled with fire. Jesus delivered up his spirit when he died. And the spirit fell on his church as what? Fire. Tongues of fire. On Pentecost, they all worshiped God in the spirit of God. They, they loved as they had been loved. God's will had actually become their will. God's will is his word, and his word is Jesus, and Jesus is the way. Jesus is the Father's van. You know, it just killed my kids to get in the van. I'm saying maybe we should have baptized them in Junction City. I baptize you in the name of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I kill you to Junction City, and I raise you to the Magic Kingdom. Maybe we should have baptized them in Junction City. Maybe we did baptize them in Junction City. We baptized them into the van. Baptism means immersion, and we immerse those kids in the van. We know baptism into Noah's Ark didn't really work. Do you know why? It didn't kill Noah. And so when he landed in the new world, he and his kids made the new world just as bad as the old world. And baptism into Moses didn't really work. Moses complained, the people complained, the Godfather got so frustrated, he said, fine, you can just stay here in, in Junction City. And so they died in the desert. The first death, not the second death. They were still spirits trapped in the prison of themselves. But we are not baptized into just Noah. And we are not baptized into just Moses. We are baptized into Jesus the Christ, who doesn't just carry a few souls through a flood of water. He carries an entire new humanity through a flood of fire. He carries us through judgment. And he is the Father's judgment. Luke 12, 49, he says, I came to cast fire on the earth. And would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is finished. Now, I can't begin to fully comprehend this or explain this, but at the cross, 
He bore our sin to destruction in eternal fire. Like a sin offering bears the sin to destruction in the consuming fire of God on the altar. And he purified our faith like gold is refined by fire. He purified us like we're gold refined by fire. And he fills us with fire like the temple is filled with fire. He immerses us in God who is eternal fire. And God is burning love. He's burning love and we are being made in his image. So baptism is an experience that starts a journey through judgment in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the van. So in him, his journey becomes our journey. And good news, he gets to where he's going. Romans 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self, our old man, was crucified with him in order, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, once for all. He really is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. People just don't know it yet. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You must consider yourself absolutely forgiven. Past, present, future, all your sins forgiven, you must. Repent, change your thinking, and believe the gospel. You must consider yourself thoroughly cleansed, absolutely forgiven, and alive in Christ Jesus. Now, now why must we consider this? Why must we reckon this? Why must we reason to ourselves that this is true? Why? Because it is true. I mean, that just hit me this week. I've always thought this is like positive thinking or wishful thinking. It's not positive thinking. It's not wishful thinking. It's truthful thinking. Your old thinking was false thinking within a false self. But this is true thinking. And why is it true? Because Jesus has truly finished the journey. And you are truly in him. So consider yourself in his kingdom because you are. June of Norwich, in her ninth vision, she said that God showed her this. She saw that in spite of all our feelings of weal and woe, God wants us to understand and believe, she writes, that we are more truly in heaven than on earth. Consider yourself in the kingdom because you're in Jesus and Jesus has finished the journey. You know, Moses was on a journey didn't really finish it. Noah was on a journey, did, didn't finish it, at least in the part that, that we read. 
But those journeys were journeys within the journey, which is to teach us of the great journey. And that journey is mapped out by our Father in heaven and recorded in Genesis chapter 1. Well, I mapped out a journey, remember, and I said, I'm taking my kids, I'm taking them to the magic kingdom. In the beginning, God mapped out a journey and said, let us make man in our own image. Well, no one that I know is completely in God's image, except Jesus, the eschatos Adam. The first Adam was not yet finished in God's image, and how do we know that? Well, he sinned. And we are not yet finished in God's image. God is love, but we lack faith in love, and so we don't love, and so we're not finished. And yet scripture says man is finished at the end of the sixth day. And on the seventh day, everything, everything, everything is good, so maybe it's still the sixth day. And the seventh day starts when Jesus says, it is finished upon the tree, that amazing tree. You know, some physicists now say that six days from the standpoint of creation would appear to be 15 billion years and actually would be 15 billion years from the standpoint of this earth. And that's because time is relative uh, to the standpoint of the observer. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, there is no earth to stand on. And you can read all about that in my book the history of time and the genesis of you that some people have actually read. It's on our website uh, under the resources part in, in the books. But I, I mention it now because I want you to believe that what I'm about to say I really think is true and the Bible has said it all along. And that is that in the beginning, our Father in heaven, he, he mapped out a journey a journey for he and his children from the beginning of time to his eternal kingdom, his eternal rest, where everything is good, especially his children. That's the seventh day. You're reminded of it every week. <laughs> That's the seventh day, the day of rest, the eternal day. But on the sixth day, God makes man, and we all arrive at a junction. It's a place we make a choice. Or I should say the Father makes a choice, creates a choice in us. It's the place that his choice becomes our choice and we choose to get in the van. That's called faith. You know, until we got to Junction City, the Magic Kingdom was only my choice. After Junction City, the Magic Kingdom was our choice. And do you understand that the magic which makes the Magic Kingdom magic is faith? Lots and lots of people go to Disney World and just have a terrible time because they don't trust each other. They don't have faith in love. I did not plan our stop in Junction City for this reason because I'm not God and I'm just not that smart. I didn't plan it, but stopping in Junction City made the Magic Kingdom that much more magic. 
I mean, over and over again it happened. We'd be standing in line for Space Mountain one more time, or we'd be eating those giant turkey leg things, you know, that they call alien legs with barbecue sauce all over them, or we'd be walking down the beach late at night under the moon looking for turtles laying their eggs in the sand, and one of the kids would just stop me. Their eyes would get huge, and they'd just go, Oh, Daddy, I, I can't believe that I wanted to stay in Junction City. I love you. You see, faith in God our Father is what makes the magic kingdom magic. And that means it starts in the van. His kingdom is at hand, for he is at hand. Eternal life begins now. I wish I had time to explain this from the perspective of space-time and eternity and physics and all that stuff, but I don't, so I'm just gonna say this. Baptism is an experience that starts a journey through judgment in Christ Jesus to a place you already are. So Paul writes, if you're baptized in Christ, you must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you've been baptized in Christ, you must believe that God the Father looks at you and says, behold, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. You know, Jesus didn't resist all the temptations of the devil for 40 days and then hear God say, behold my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. No, he heard the father say, behold my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and then he resisted all the temptations of the devil. A long time ago, I read a book titled Good Morning, Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. Now, I don't really know what to think of Benny Hinn, but in the book, he told a story that's haunted me for 20 years. He showed that when he was young at a conference in Canada, he got up the nerve to ask David Duplessis a question. Now, Dr. David Duplessis was like a father to the charismatic movement 50 years ago. And Benny Hinn said he saw him in a hallway. He chased after him, and nervously, nervously, he, he, he asked this elderly saint this, this, this question. He stopped him, and he said, Dr. Duplessis, how can I truly please God? And Dr. Duplessis, he put his his briefcase down, took his index finger, drove it into Benny Hinn's chest, pushed him back against the wall, this elderly old man, and he said, don't try. Turned around and walked away. You know, if I'm trying to please God, maybe I don't believe that God is well pleased with me. Which means I've forgotten that I was baptized. I've forgotten that I was baptized into Christ, with whom the Father is well pleased. I've forgotten that I have been cleansed from my, my sins. I've, I've for, forgotten. You know, I used to really be a people pleaser. Really did. But having failed at that, I became more of a, a God pleaser. And I don't mean that in a good sort of way. I, I mean, I'm always wondering, Father, Father, are you pleased with me? I mean, this job really makes it much worse. You know what I mean? Are you pleased? Did I mess up somewhere? What did I do? Did I sin one time? I bet I, I know, I know. I mean, I know, God, that I, 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 I did this, I did that. I mean, I, I don't know that you're pleased with me. Father, are you pleased with me? Father, have I made you pleased with me? 
You know, that is a really strange question to ask the creator of space and time. I mean, what could I do to disappoint him? Whoa, Peter, I never saw, I never saw that one coming. Dang, I'm going to have to go back and tang on that cross again for that one. What could I ever do uh, to please him in, in, in such a way that he'd say, Wow, Peter, uh, where did you ever get such faith, hope, and love? That is really impressive. So you see, maybe I can't make him pleased. And yet he is pleased. Paul writes, it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I'm the work of his hands. And he is still working. He knows the end from the beginning. So why would he start making me if he knew he couldn't finish making me and would never be pleased in me? Well, I don't think he would. He mapped out the journey and he will finish the journey. He who began a good work in, in you will bring it to completion at the day of the Lord. He said, let us make man in our own image and he will do it in time. For it's already done in eternity. I mapped out the journey and I would finish our journey. My choice to take my kids to the magic kingdom was stronger than their choice to stay in Junction City. And yet, I might grant their choice for a time so that my choice would become their choice in time. Maybe that's why God made time. Yeah, we could find a hotel, but after that, I don't know what, what else is there to do. Yeah, you know what, you guys? We've pretty much seen everything. Yeah. We have a bowling But we have a bowling alley at home. Yeah, you might as well go home to do that. Roller We can roller skate at home, too. Well, what else could we do? Live behind the playground! No, we got playgrounds at home. We See. Play here. Hey, what's to the e If we stayed on Interstate 70 and just kept driving, where would we go? Well, you keep on going far enough, you get to the other side of the United States, the east side. You can take, if you want to get even hotter, you can then take the interstate angling down. I don't know. I think go to it's Florida. Hot enough here. It's hot enough here? Okay. How far is Florida? Oh, let's see, about 1,500 miles. 1,500. What do they have? That'd be like, what do they have in Florida? I don't know. You know anything that's in Florida? Alligators? Yeah. Uh, I wonder. Um, crocodiles. Crocodiles. Anything to do to play there? Um, Disney World? Yeah. Oh, hey, you want to go to Disney World? I'd rather be here. What? You'd rather be here? John, do you want to go to Disney World? I'll think about that one. You think about it? Well, we'll stay here if you want, but... Yeah, I'm totally serious. We're driving two more days to Disney World. And then we're going to go to the beach. <laughs> you see, even when I was displeased with them and their choice, I was entirely pleased with them and who they were. Fortunately, they chose to get in the van. But what if they had not chosen to get in the van? Would I have subjected them to endless torment? 
No. That wouldn't please me. And yet I might grant their choice for a time that my choice would become their choice in time. Because you see, if they're not happy, I'm not happy. Their happiness is what makes the magic kingdom magic for me. I hate Disney World without my kids. It's, it's their happiness that makes the magic kingdom magic because my pleasure is giving them pleasure. In other words, I love them. And so I might grant their choice for a time so that my choice will become their choice in time, and I think that's why God made time. I mean, I might say, fine, you can stay. Okay, great, we'll just stay in Junction City. But after two or three weeks, sitting in front of the Dairy Queen in a 100-degree heat, languishing as the kids said, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. I mean, after Junction City turned to hell, I would still say, hey, let's get in the van. Did you notice that Peter writes that Jesus preached to the spirits in prison? And that means they had sat in prison for a time. I'd let my kids languish in Junction City for a time. And Peter says that Jesus preached to the spirits in prison that refused to get in the ark in the days of Noah. He preached to the dead in chapter 4. In verse 6, that judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. You know, Paul writes in, in Romans, he says, and so all Israel will be saved. All those complainers will eventually get in the van and be transfigured on the mountain with Jesus like Moses. Why did my kids get in the van? Well, it's because they had a little faith. Maybe just a little, but they had a, had a little faith that I was not interested in torturing them. <laughs> because they had come to see that their pain was my pain. And their pleasure was really my pleasure. Well, if my pleasure is God's pleasure, maybe, maybe I can please him. And now this is a paradox involving time and eternity which I can't fully explain, but I please God when I trust that he is already absolutely pleased with me. You please God when you trust that God is already absolutely pleased with you. Baptism means living in his pleasure, living in Jesus. It means living in his pleasure. Now Paul says, make it your aim to please him. But then he goes on to say, flesh can't please him. Only faith pleases him. Flesh is a lie that we can make ourselves in his image and therefore please him. Faith is the truth that he makes us in his own image and so we do please him. And check this out, he even makes our faith. He makes our faith here in Junction City. It's here in Junction City on the sixth day that his choice becomes our choice. It's here that we crucify Jesus, our Father's word sent to us, and so here we see that our pain is his pain and his pleasure. Our pleasure is his pleasure, and his pleasure is that we would trust his pleasure in us, like his spirit in us, his spirit and our spirit becoming one spirit, a communion. It's here that God creates faith in love. Because the magic kingdom is not magic without faith in love.
I mean, this is kind of weird, but my kids are young adults now, and, and home for summer, they love to reminisce about family vacations, and this is the crazy thing. They don't seem to miss Disney World. <laughs> you know what they miss? Our time in the van. So get in the van. In other words, get into Jesus because Jesus has gotten into you. For on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood poured out for you, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Is it not obvious that your pain is my pain? And so maybe your pleasure is my pleasure, for I want my pleasure to be your pleasure. I want us to go to the magic kingdom. <laughs> us. Me and my kids. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel. Dark cup is wine, light cup is juice. They're both the love of God poured out for you, their grace. Take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and worship. Amen. Now, stay standing and pray with me, all right? Father, I want to pray for the people that are getting baptized today. I want us to pray for these people. I thank you so much for these people. Lord God, um, and so I'm going to mention them by name. Rich Breed, Annalise Wainan, Niels, Carly, Bodie, Tate, Erickson, Jenny McCready, Pamela Dunage, Josh Gibson, Lila Dancer, Bryn and Reed Kinner. Lord, I know Vance wanted to be with us today, but he couldn't make it. Lord God, I pray for um, these that I've spoken to. And Lord God, I pray for any that want to be baptized now. I mean, maybe you were sitting here this morning and you thought, I haven't been baptized. I want to be baptized. Well, you can be baptized. Just come down to the river with us. You see, when, when you're baptized, it, it doesn't mean that you promise to get your act together. My kids didn't have to promise to get their act together. They just had to get in the van. And, and you're saying, uh, you're just making a public proclamation. Um, Jesus, I, I, want you to, I want you to take me to Magic Kingdom. I want to get into you. I want you to save me. And I'm handing over lordship to you. I'm handing over vanship to you, Lord Jesus. And, and yeah, I'm going to probably complain in the van, fight with my sisters and brothers, but, but you'll get me there. If that's you, we invite you to come down to the river and we'll baptize you. Or maybe you're like me. You're baptized as an infant. And that counts. That, I mean, it's not the thing that saves you is Jesus. But, but maybe you want to be baptized as an adult when you can remember it. Um, and you can experience it a, a little better. And so, Lord God, I, I pray for any of those people. I pray for everyone that's going to be baptized today, Lord God, that when they go down under the water, they remember that they're dying with you. And that you are washing away their old psyche. That their old psyche of condemnation, their old psyche of thinking they have to make themselves good enough, their old psyche of constantly judging themselves and everyone around them, it does not count. It's dead. And all that counts is your righteousness. And you fulfill all righteousness in us. 
as we begin to love you as you have loved us, Lord God. I pray that they would realize that and that, Lord God, as they rise, you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. And I thank you that it's your Holy Spirit that draws us along all the way, but that you would, you would fill them, that we would be baptized in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I know that some have, that, well, they've been following you a long time, and this is the way they remember that fact. And for others, it may be the first time. I pray for all of us, Lord God, that today we would remember our baptism. And that we would live from that place, that clean place that we have been baptized, that you died once and for all. And we live in it. We travel in it. We arrive in it. And so, Lord God, may it be the kingdom of heaven now as it is forever and ever and ever and all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, my default mode is to condemn myself. And, and so I walk around and think, yeah, you just suck at pleasing God, Peter. You better get your crap together. You're a pastor, dang it. And, and, and this and that. And, and when I get like that, I just, gosh, I just feel the energy draining out of me. But I've been trying to do something. That's living in the flesh. I've, I've been trying to do something different lately. And God has to remind me of this every now and then. Whenever I start feeling like that, I, I just have to stop and say, God, you like me. <laughs> You really, really, really like me. I mean, gosh, look what you, you did for me. My pain is your pain, and my pleasure is your pleasure, and you give your pleasure to me. I really like you. <laughs> I mean, you really like me, and I kind of like, I want to get in the van. I want to do what you say. Because I trust you. May you live in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen. Thanks for watching the sermon. I uh, hope I didn't go too long or yell too much. I get kind of into it and excited. But I'm really grateful that you would join the sanctuary online. And uh, if the sermon was helpful to you, I hope that you would pass it on to other people just by forwarding the link to this video. And also, if you feel uh, like you would like to, or led, or however you would say that, um, the sanctuary exists on donations. So if uh, you would uh, consider donating uh, to the sanctuary, we'd be really appreciative. And you can do that by simply going to the website at uh, tsdowntown.com and uh, donating online through the donate button, or you can uh, mail a check-in. You can also sign up for an automatic withdrawal. But thank you for being a part of this ministry and have a